Well, today we are starting a new series uh, that I couldn't wait to preach. It's called, I Didn't Ask For This. And uh, how many know oftentimes in life you see a correlation between behavior and results? Like you, you have a consequence and you can see the correlation to the behavior. I mean, um, when I heard Patrick Swayze uh, had cancer and then he said he smoked and smoked and smoked his whole life and wasn't going to give up uh, smoking, it, it kind of correlated. You know, he's smoking all the time and he had cancer. It correlated. Um, when Paul Walker, you know, with Fast and Furious crashed in a car going fast, it, was, it wasn't like, you know, wow, he was going 20 miles an hour and he just lost control. It was speeding. When Dale Earnhardt Sr. was going in NASCAR and driving, you know, 200 miles an hour and crashes and has a tragic death, it's not like, man, I didn't know NASCAR was dangerous, you know? It kind of it made sense. And, and it, it doesn't mean that it's okay, all right? It doesn't mean that it's okay. But, you know, like when Whitney Houston, with all the things that she was dealing with and drugs and all the things, and you hear that she dies tragically, you know, again, it doesn't make it okay. But how many know in the world that we live in, we kind of have a ledger like, this makes sense and this doesn't make sense. We live that way. We're like, well, that, you know, all right, that, that makes sense. You know, Chris Farley, drug overdose, okay, you know, that makes sense. It doesn't make it right and um, it doesn't make it okay, but it doesn't seem like it's a surprise. It, it just kind of, all right, that's, that's in the it makes sense side of the ledger and it's not in the, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? They didn't ask for this. They didn't ask, and in many ways you say, well, they kind of did, but again, it's like, it doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it like, well, finally, they got what they deserve. We should never live like that as followers of Jesus Christ. But again, in our, just in our world of the why, it goes on that side. Like, all right, it's okay. I mean, there's people that, in our lives, okay, let's take our church and people that we know and we love. How many of you know somebody lives their whole life as an alcoholic and they drink and drink and drink and then you find out that their liver is failing? Again, you don't say, oh, good, I'm glad they finally, but you kind of put it in the, well, you know, all right. Or you see somebody who's so abusive in their marriage and they're just abusive and finally the, the other spouse leaves and, and it doesn't make it right. You don't know all the story, but you kind of go, well, you know, all right, you put it on that side of the ledger. There's all those things. If somebody that idolizes their job and they're like, work, 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 and the family's like crying out, like, will you pay attention? And all of a sudden the kids go off the rail and the marriage falls apart. And you're like, yeah, but all they did is live for money and all they did is chase after stuff. And again, we put it on that side of the ledger. Sometimes we'll be honest. We'll say, well, I guess I had it coming. I guess I did. I mean, I was like, you know, it doesn't, doesn't make it right, but I mean, at least I know that, you know, I, I kind of feel like I had it coming. I can tell you this, even if you're dodging the consequences, because how many know people like this where they live all the bad things and nothing bad ever happens to them? You know, they're kind of like, I am indestructible, you know, and they're, you know, and they're just like, you know, like, I can't die, you know, and you're like, they almost are like mocking God. Well, I've got news for you. If you're one of those people that feels like you can do anything and it, nothing ever hits you, can I tell you this? You're, you're only dodging the consequences because God is being kind to you. Okay? That's what the Bible says in Romans 2, 4. It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? 
Okay, you are not indestructible. Your life is but a vapor. And we live there, oh yeah, I can do whatever, I can do it all. I'm indestructible. It's God's kindness that he's withholding the consequences and he's just holding them back. And he's like, will you, before you kill yourself, give yourself to me and live for what really matters? Don't think you're indestructible. We don't always dodge the consequences. But I don't believe that we always deserve the consequences. I mean, what if you're loving and loyal and you're the greatest spouse? I mean, you could write a book on marriage and your spouse just leaves you. We've all seen that. And you're like, why? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, we put that on the other side, like that doesn't make any sense. We've seen it where somebody has a perfect driving record. I mean, uh, never even a parking ticket. And all of a sudden one day, boom, T-boned alcoholic driver, drunk driver, slams into him. The family goes into turmoil. Maybe somebody dies and you're like, what? I mean, it's just, how does that happen? You see that where somebody never smokes a cigarette ever in their life and all of a sudden they have stage four cancer. We didn't even catch it early. It's stage four and they're like, what? How did that? It just doesn't seem fair. We put it on the other side of the ledger. You can be working out and losing weight and still get a heart attack doesn't seem fair. doesn't seem fair. For those of you who don't know, that was my story. And that's where this sermon series came from because it doesn't seem fair. And I was screaming out, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask, I didn't ask for this. I mean, December 11th, my whole world changed. And let me just get you up to speed on the story. I mean, I was getting ready to fly out that day. And for some reason, I remember going to bed the night before and I said, I'm going to get up early and do a workout. And Becca said, well, I'm going to set my alarm for 730. I just remember her saying that which was so odd because that motivated me to wake her up. But I was working out, great day, I felt fine. I was getting ready to go uh, talk about um, Thrill Sequence book and the marketing of that book and it was gonna be a big day with the publisher and the third book coming out and all this. And so I'm working out and I'm doing, you know, my insanity, I'm like high knees, high knees, you know, I do it, I'm sweating. And all of a sudden, I mean, it feels like my heart explodes. And I'm thinking maybe I had bad coffee, bad protein drink. I'm thinking maybe I have heat stroke. I had heat stroke once and I'm starting to sweat so much. I can't believe it. And I'm sitting down and then I'm thinking, what if this is a heart attack? You could die in your basement. Becca's not getting up till 7.30. It's 6.30. You could die. You got to go. So I go up two flights of stairs and fall down next to the bed and you know, I wake her up. She thinks I'm in the bed and I'm laying next to the bed. And she's like, what, what, what? I said, I think I'm having heat stroke. I think I have food poisoning. I don't know what I have. And she's like, do you want me to call 911? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I don't know if this is worthy. I mean, I'm writhing in pain on the floor. And can I say this? Like, call 911. <laughs> call 911. I mean, so I'm crawling over to the tile. I'm like, I need something cold. And I crawl towards our bathroom tile and, and our bathroom tile is heated. So I go to lay my head and I'm like, no. And it was at that moment, I was like, I'm calling 911. Then, you know, I got sick. I started throwing up. My arms started going numb. The jaw, the whole thing. They show up. Paramedics are there and they put the EKG and they're like, oh, 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 this is bad. And I said, what? They said, you're having a heart attack. And I said, okay, like, what? Do I get like a nitroglycerin? Do I get a shot for that? What do I? And they're like, you're going in for surgery. You're going in for surgery right now. And so I'm like, oh my, are you kidding me? And all I'm thinking about is I just had a physical three months ago, an, an executive physical, and they said I was in great shape. This is just so confusing to me. I'm just, 
my mind is spinning. And then I'm like, wake the kids up. And I wake up Connor and Logan. They were home from Christmas break and from school. And, you know, and then I'm telling everybody, like, I love you. Live for Jesus. Don't ever walk away from him. Everything in my life is real. You know, and, and I mean, you know, I'm, and then I'm, then I'm in the ambulance and I had my cell phone and I'm texting Pastor Darren. I'm like, call Becca. I'm having a heart attack. This is not a joke, you know. And then I thought, well, I need lots of prayer. And so I actually did tweet it out. For those of you that are wondering, I put it on Twitter. And uh, my friends tease me now. They're like, he live tweets his heart attack, you know. (laughs) I did. I did. And by the way, if anybody has like a screenshot of that tweet, I would love to get it um, because it got deleted from my account. Um, People thought it was hacked. And then I said what hospital I was at. And they thought all of you would flood there to lay hands on me. So they delete somebody on the team deleted it. So I'd love to see it because it was kind of like, I'm having a heart attack, blah, 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 pray for me, blah, 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 God bless you. And then people were like, did you die? You know, like, (laughs) how do you end a heart attack prayer? You know what I'm saying? So I get there and, you know, the scary thing was when they, I walk in or not walk in, they bring me on a stretcher and they're like, you know, they look at my reading and the guy yells, we got a real one, you know, and (laughs) I'm a real one, you know. And they're prepping me for surgery, and my shirt is, like, caught on things. And so they said, you know, like, ah, what should we do? His shirt is caught. And I said, well, cut it off, but don't throw it away. I want it to be a sermon illustration. And so I have that shirt with me today. And uh, I just want you to see, um, this is what I was working out in. And I just want to say, if you're going to have a heart attack and save a shirt for the rest of your life, it might as well be a global team Swaziland. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean... So, (laughs) after this series, I want to frame it and remind me of this series, what God has done in my life, what he spoke to me. Um, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. I mean, I was in the hospital. I mean, you know, you've got the picture of me in the hospital. I mean, that was me December 11th. I think they've just put it up on the screen. And then, I mean, I didn't ask for this. Um, Okay. The, the fat Rob from like, you know, five years earlier, you know, you see that picture of the side-by-side of the driver's license? Go ahead, put that up there. Yeah, really proud of that one. Uh, fat Rob that was overweight wearing the extra large shirt, he might have asked for it, okay? But not new and improved medium Rob, you know, he didn't ask for this. And so I'm sitting there like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then in the moments, this is what's processing through my mind. Why? Why, God? Why, like, I'm... I'm doing everything right, and now I'm having a heart attack. Why? And then I'm thinking, well, I just might as well eat like a pig then. I mean, man, a lot of good that did, all that change, you know. And, and then it was interesting, after the heart attack, they showed me that when you are in shape, you actually, your heart will get collaterals, and they'll grow like uh, veins, if you will, that will help distribute more blood to the rest of your heart from getting in shape. And those collaterals actually were bringing blood down to the part of my heart where um, it was blocked. I mean, which is absolutely amazing. And, and it was a rupture. It just ruptured. And the blood clot was shutting me down. That's what it was. And people say, like, did you feel bad the day before? No, I felt great. It was actually a rupture that happened. So there wasn't like, you know, 90% blocked and I could barely do a curl. I was fine until this thing just exploded. And in this moment, you know, I'm should I have eaten like a pig and was all that good work? Well, the collaterals help, you know, bring me back. And uh, I want to say this, that I've recovered back to normal. I don't, I won't bore you with all the medical, but they said you were here and you're back to here. 
and I feel great. They've, they've taken me off all the beta blockers and all the things that were slowing my heart rate down, and I just can feel it like each day, like, Ugh. and Becca's like, oh boy, you're back, all right. So, but here's what I learned on that, just real quick, side note, it's never wrong to do right. It's never wrong to do right. Work out, you know, do the right things, eat right, do the things, always do, it doesn't matter what happens, always do right. And I love what Proverbs 21, 31 says in the message, do your best, prepare for the worst, then trust God to bring victory. I think we can do that. Do your best, prepare for the worst, and trust God to bring the victory. That's a great way to live. But as I was pondering all this, I really got stuck in the why, like why, 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 you know, why? And God showed me that this is way bigger than the why. I want to tell you this, your pain, it's way bigger than the why. Your suffering, your tragedies, your crisis, it's way, way bigger than the why. And God actually showed me that we're actually asking the wrong question. And I love what John 9, 3 in the message says. Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no such cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do. We're asking the wrong question. I mean, we're, why, why, why? And, and it's, it's human nature. And we want to put it on, well, that makes sense side or that doesn't make sense side. And if it makes sense, all right, you kind of deserved it. And if it doesn't make sense, we didn't. And then we're mad at somebody. We got to be mad at somebody. And if you're a good American, you're thinking about who you can sue, you know? It's like, what, oh, whose fault is this? Why? Whose fault? What's going on? And I just want to tell you, if you didn't ask for it, let's ask a better question. Let's ask a better question. So let's look at this story where I read the scripture from John 9, and I read it in the message, but I'll read this now in the New International Version. John chapter 9, verse 1 through 11, Jesus is talking about the man born blind. The man born blind was actually um, staying by the gate of the temple. It's interesting. He was there a lot. They must have known him and walked by him a lot. And it's interesting. He stayed by the temple because how many know that benevolent people tend to be benevolent all the time. Like you Christians are giving people, and so people try to ask for more from giving people. And the people are going to the temple to actually make sacrifice for their sins so they knew how bad they were. So they're actually coming to say, God, I'm sorry for doing wrong. And how many know if you've got somebody who's got a little bit of guilt and they're coming to make it right, and you got somebody asking for help, you're kind of more generous towards those people. So that's where we find this blind guy. He's there by the temple waiting. And it says, as he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open? They asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. All right, so in this story, the first thing I see is the disciples want to know whose fault is it? 
Whose fault? In our pain, we say, whose fault is it? Who do we get to blame? And, and they, they figured it had to be either his parents or him. Now, as I'm reading that, I'm thinking it says it was, he was blind from birth, okay? What did he do? I mean, <laughs> blind from birth. But as I studied it, there actually was a little bit of false like, thinking and theology that was saying you could even sin in the womb, all right? <laughs> and so there was a little sect of people that was like, even from the moment you're conceived, you can sin, and you know when you're kicking around in there, you're a sinner. And I mean, I'm like, maybe that was a pregnant mom that made that one up, but that is not, you know, legit. That's not real. But that was something they were thinking. Another thing they thought it was like a form of reincarnation. It wasn't fully reincarnation, but they actually thought like if you were bad while you're waiting to get a body on Earth. Um, God would put you in a bad body and he was kind of paying you back for what you did while you were waiting to come to the... Again, we don't believe either of those, but isn't it interesting how things in culture, because culture believe that, can seep into the church. A little bit of culture seeped in and they're like, what about... They're like, no, no, no. That's not what's going on. It's like, okay, well, if it isn't the kid, if it isn't the man, it must have been the parents. Must have been the parents. And they had a little bit of scripture to go on this. They were maybe thinking about Exodus 20, verse 5, where it says, You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But they were kind of missing it there, too, because he said, punishing those people that hate me. Okay? So these people didn't hate God, but they're still wondering, like, who sinned? And just so you know that sometimes in the ancient world, Blindness was called by the name gonorrhea. Okay, yeah, you know that. It's an STD. Okay, and that's the. So here's what their theory was. They believed if you were blind while you were going through the birth canal, you actually got blindness from your parents' um, promiscuity. Okay, I know it sounds weird, but that's what they believed back then. And so the disciples were basically saying, uh, Jesus, which of the two was unfaithful? Which of them is um, the adulterer? Because if they didn't commit adultery and they went to brought that into the marriage, he wouldn't be blind. So whose fault is it? Isn't that amazing. And Jesus, is like, zonk, wrong question. You're going down the wrong way of thinking. It's it's way bigger than this. But to help us process our wrong questions and move to better ones, let me just address this for a minute because we're always wondering, like, why do bad things happen? Why did they happen to me? Why did they happen to them? Why, why? It doesn't fit on the right side of the ledger. Okay, first of all, the world has fallen. It was perfect. Sin entered and we broke it. And when we broke it, it, all sorts of bad side effects came in. I mean, imagine if they'd had a disclaimer at creation, you know, touching the forbidden fruit will lead to the following things. Nobody would have touched it. You know, they're like, ah, it's not worth it, but it didn't. But it did have side effects. Romans 18 and oh, verse 21, let me go there. It says, uh, creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. It's like we're decaying and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. It's saying the earth is broken. We fell, we sinned, and now the whole earth is broken, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that's coming on us because we live in a broken world. Okay, but that's not just all of it. Other people's sin affects us. How many know that a drunk driver can be drunk and be in sin and slam into you and your whole life changes? A mother can be drinking uh, while she's pregnant and fetal alcohol syndrome can uh, become part of it. 
How many know that an abusive parent can change your trajectory? You didn't do anything wrong. And I just have a whole new level of compassion after having this heart attack of, you know, what did that kid do? Like, what did he do? He did nothing. He was born in that family. And all of a sudden, an abusive parent changes their whole trajectory. They didn't do anything wrong. Their dad was their hero until they got beat up. And then everything changed. They didn't ask for it. So sometimes other people's sin affects us. How many, how many know that other people's humanity affects us? I mean, just the doctor said to me, he said, there's nothing we could have done. You'd have passed a stress test the day before. It's just in your DNA. It's just in your DNA. It, it's, it's in your, it's just your, your parents gave it to you. I was like, thanks, mom and dad. All right, I appreciate it. But how many know, I'm not bitter about that. My mom and dad gave me life. Man, that outweighs any, I, I got to meet Jesus as my Lord and Savior. That outweighs anything that's in my DNA. Besides, my bad DNA gave me a sermon series, so we're really ahead on that one. But don't blame your parents for your DNA. I see these stories of people, I'm suing my mom and dad for bringing me to this world. Man, thank God for life. But other people's humanity affects us. Another thing, society gets us into bad things. Okay? Society just does. Plagues and disease are brought on by sometimes society doesn't plan for the disposal of waste and things like that. Or, or how about a bad leader? Society, a bad leader. We've all been to countries, or many of us have, you know, where there's a bad leader that won't let humanitarian aid get to the people. Like we're trying to send them relief and the leader would rather hold the relief in the port until he gets the bribe that he wants or figures out how to sell it off so he can get another mansion or another jet or another Bentley. And so he wants to get his take. And so he won't let the humanitarian aid. He'd rather let it rot than forget his cut. And all these people suffer. And we see the pictures on the TV and we see the video and we're like, somebody's got to help what's going on? And there could be one person bringing all that misery on the people because a bad leader is there in society. This fallen natural world, I mean, nobody's to blame for Nepal. I mean, we all want to blame, like, what happened? How come Nepal? And what? You know, it's just a fallen natural world. Hurricanes, tornadoes, tsunamis, they're, they're just part of this world. It's broken. It's in decay. It's grieving. It's longing. The earth is longing for a Savior. And every time we see a tragedy on TV, we should say, the earth is speaking. And it's not saying, like, throw away your aluminum, and that's all good stuff. But it's saying, I'm looking for Jesus. Take it up a level. It's saying, I'm looking to be healed. And then there is, sometimes it's our own fault. Come on, let's be honest. I mean, a person's like grossly overweight. And they're like, man, I'm so surprised I had a heart attack. Really? Because you're like 380. You know, I mean, I just was going to inform you. Like Krispy Kreme is coming off your face while they're giving you your IV. I mean, like how many bad choices. How many no weak wills? You're like, really? I just, I mean, I don't know why. Well, seriously, because you have made really bad decisions over and over and over again, right? And James says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. He's saying, you can't blame God, don't blame your parents. You have free will in the matter. Okay, but there's, that's just one slice of it, Okay. It's just one slice of it. And as we leave this bad question of whose fault is it, the why, let me just say this to the church. Stop trying to assign blame to people. I'm sure the disciples did. Who sinned, this guy or his parents? 
I can imagine the disciples like, I don't know. I'll look at his mom. I mean, his mom looks a little sketchy. She probably said, well, but look at the dad. I heard he travels a lot. You know, it could be the dad. Jesus who, uh, I mean, how many know? They're assigning. And we do that all the time. We assign blame to people and we say, well, they were asking for it by the way they dressed. We were, you know, they were in that neighborhood. What do you expect? You know, if you're going to buy a car like that, and we just start and we fill it all in. We fill it all in and we fill in the blanks and, and the uh, society calls it cognitive bias. We fill in the story the way that we think it is. Instead of looking at the facts and getting all the facts, we just have a bias. And if a person doesn't line up with what we think, we fill in all the blanks with bad things. And if a person has, like if they align with our politics or our church or our neighborhood or they're related to us, then we fill in all the blanks with good things. And we have a cognitive bias. We we just step away from the facts and we either fill it in good or bad depending on do we like them or not. Stop it. Stop it. I don't know why that guy is in that shelter. I don't know why they're in Teen Challenge. I don't know why they had that. I don't know all the, but I'm not going to fill in the blanks for him. I'm just going to start with what do we do now? What do we do now? Let's stop filling in the blanks. Here's another thing just to realize in the bad question of why, why, why. Realize this, all suffering ends someday. Revelation 21, 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. I mean, so just realize this. We're not going to assign blame to it. It's going to only have a a certain time limit, and then it's done. It's got to be over. And so in your pain, in your suffering, let your pain remind you of your promise. Let your pain, I mean, every time I take my heart pill, I should be thinking, okay, God, I'm reminded of the promise. There'll be no heart pills in heaven, all right? I'm bruised, I bruise like little bruises, I get blood thinner. I'm like, where'd that come from? Well, in heaven, there'll be none of that. It has a time limit, okay? Your pain has a time limit, okay? But let your pain remind you of your promise. Another thing is God can use bad to bring good. We're going to look at that in the next couple weeks extensively, but God can bring um, good from your bad. I mean, there are causes, but your cause doesn't determine uh, the future meaning. Let me say that again. There are causes, but your cause doesn't determine the future meaning you can get out of the hurt, out of the pain, okay? So back to this story in verse 3, it says, neither this man sinned nor his parents sinned, but this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus was saying, you know what, the sins don't always line up. It doesn't line up. It's bigger than this. And God can be glorified in your present situation if you'll let him. So here's the thing. I think we need to move through the progression of, you know, here's what happens. Like, what? Why? And then you're like, whose fault is this? And then the progression needs to go to this. What's this for? I mean, that's a hard progression step, though. It's way easier. Like, what? Why? Who's to blame? But I think we should say, what for? Matter of fact, as I was writing this down, I wrote down, we should almost say, what forward thing do you want to take out of this, God? Like, we got to think forward. And I would tell you this, the best advice I can give you in your pain, instead of looking backwards, you look forward. You're just like, all right, here's where we are, but where are we going? What's the forward from here? Somebody's like, I, I... Who's to blame? Why? Why, why, why? Instead, where are we going with this? Where is forward, God? How do we move this forward? 
So, man, there's so much here, so much here, and I'll continue this next week and the week after, and I think this is something you could bring some friends to, get them to watch this online, get them to church. Um, Let me figure out where I'm going to land this. Uh, Let me say this. I don't know what got you in that spot, but I know what can get you out of that spot. God, Jesus. I don't know what put you down that street. I don't know why you're holding that sign. I don't know why you live with that hurt. I don't know where that pain got, how that pain got there, but I do know who can take the pain away. I do know who can give you a new future. I know that however it got there, we're not going to fill in the story, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to tell you that the new story can be written. A new story can be written. We've got to get to the bigger, better question. How can God be glorified in this? How can God be glorified? What's the forward? Where do we go with this? And I just feel so like I'd love to preach, keep going and going and going. I know we have more services and we'll have more weeks. Please, please stay with this. But I want to tell you, this is what I wrote the day after the heart attack. I said, in 49 years, that's how old I am. I said, in 49 years, I've done more in 49 years than most do in a lifetime. The most amazing thing is I know Jesus and have settled my eternity. I was never afraid of dying. I just didn't want to leave all of you. Everything I texted to my family, my friends, as I went into my surgery, my family already knew. (laughs) I said, I've loved my wife deeply. I have two godly boys I'm so proud of. And I said, I realize it's not about the list I've completed, but it's about the love I know. It's not about the list. It's not about the why. It's not about, but it's about who do you know? And if you know God, it can all make sense. The only way to move forward is if you know God. If you know God, man, you can move forward in the pain. You can say, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go. So God, we just pray right now that you'd help us to move forward, move forward in the pain and move forward in this and move past the why and move into the what's next. Help us to realize there's a better, better question. How can God be glorified in this? And I pray our church would never uh, fill in the blanks and fill in the blanks bad, but we'd give people the benefit of the doubt and we'd show the love of Jesus to everyone regardless of how they got there. In your name we pray, amen, amen.